After 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
آسانی سے
a.m. in the a.m. That's the uh, Tenby Koch selection done by uh, Mendy Werdiger. Uh, before that, you heard the um, Benny Friedman selection, Taka. Yitzi Spinner and Shalom Aleichem. Shalom Aleichem from Avreim, Olavim Freed. Eitan Katz with that Nigunov Unplugged, volume number two. A couple of Misha Asas, after all. Isn't this uh, Shabbos Mavarchim? Yeah. Shal Shalas from their volume five, and Yehuda Green off of Peace in My Heart. Regesh, Modaani opening things up, and we say good morning. It's Friday, it's May 3rd, the 23rd of ER, day number 35. Is that right? No, it's 38, right? <laughs> How did we get 35? That's funny. Day n- <laughs> I did count right last night, don't panic. Day number 38 in the counting of the Omer. Day number 38 in the counting of the Omer, if you forgot to count last night. Make sure to do so sometime today. We will wrap up the book of Vayikra, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Bahar, and Bechukosai, a double Parsha, to close out the book of Vayikra. Candle lighting officially at 7.35. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. 7.35, official candle lighting on this Erev Shabbos. We're going to bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Sivan will be on Friday, one week from today. Rosh Chodesh Sivan, Friday. One week from today, that is the Rosh Chodesh schedule. 52 degrees outside with 53% humidity. Winds are east at 8 miles an hour. Sunshine today with a high temperature 63. Then tonight, clear skies, low temperature 48. Sunshine tomorrow, a high temperature 67 degrees. Right now, Yerushalayim is at 79. Tel Aviv at 68. Haifa at 79. And a lot at 99 degrees. We're at 52 here in Jersey City as we say good morning. At JM and the AM. Well, we've had a uh, major change of plans in the latest JM and the AM news. Um, we uh, originally, as many of you are well aware, we were scheduled to spend uh, the majority of next week in the holy city of Jerusalem and actually conduct our Yom Yerushalayim special from Beto Road, appropriately enough, and uh, visit our friends at... Uh, Crib Efrat and Ormeir Bracha and Emuna. We had some really nice on-air visits planned for next week. And um, <laughs> although although it is difficult to believe, those of you who are long-time listeners, I guess, so will find it easier to believe, um, I have gotten back into a situation with my foot where I am being uh, advised <coughs> to not travel and uh, some sort of procedure is going to have to be done next week. Yeah, we've been through this before, I know. We have been through this, uh, unfortunately, too many times before. But that is the situation, that is the update, so uh, I likely will be out the majority, if not all, of next week. And uh, in terms of our Yom Yerushalayim special, ironically enough, Mayor Weingarten, who was not able to travel with us to Yerushalayim for our special as scheduled, is going to be hosting our Yom Yerushalayim uh, special from our studios here in Jersey City. I know it's not the same as having us uh, in Israel on the spot in the Holy City. There's nothing like that and nothing like the feeling of listening in. Sorry about that, of listening in and having a uh, an amazing uh, bridge, as we call it, uh, over the radio to what's happening in the Holy City of Jerusalem on such a special day. But Mayor will be here on Wednesday... A lot of great uh, JMAM hosts will be uh, 
will be here to um, uh, take you through whatever time I am at, and that is the situation. So these things, as we've learned over the years, these things happen, and we are trying to remain as upbeat as possible, and um, and that is the situation. So our trip has been, I guess we could say, officially postponed, and we will uh, hopefully visit all of those uh, aforementioned friends uh, on air at some point in the future, hopefully in 2013. And um, and that is that. J.M. and the A.M. with candlelighting at 7.35, 17 minutes before 7 o'clock. We will, in fact, get a weekly update with Malcolm Holmline. It's been a couple of weeks since we've spoken. We'll review the uh, news of the day, of the week, etc. That'll be coming up at 7.40 this morning right here at J.M. in the A.M. We call it the weekly update. That's at 7.40 this morning, Eastern Time. Uh, Rabbi Yudin will be coming up with both Parshios, Bahar and Bichukosai at 8.15 this morning. And plenty happening between now and 9 o'clock. Naomi Nachman is going to be hosting a uh, Table for Two program on our stream, jmintheam.org. Uh, that is happening uh, right after JM in the AM. And among her guests today, Jay Booksbaum, the uh, amazing, incredible, humorous, and informative wine sommelier. He is going to be Naomi's guest. They'll talk about white wines and a whole bunch of other stuff. And then, ironically enough, our friends at Kedem present an incredible stream of phenomenal Erev Shabbos music going all the way from 10 a.m. until candle lighting Eastern time uh, with fantastic music and just an amazing array of Erev Shabbos selections. I don't think there is a better way to prepare on an Erev Shabbos than with our stream at jmnam.org. I cannot possibly think. I'm, I'm, thi- I'm thinking hard and can't come up with anything. I'm thinking very hard and can't come up with anything. By the way, great programming over the weekend schedule. Aside from uh, Avrami and uh, hosting Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night at 10 p.m. And he has an amazing show planned. Matis has a great JM Sunday planned for the stream at jmandtheam.org. He'll speak with author Mordechai Schmutter, who has a brand new book entitled Cholent Mix. And Yona Lloyd, speaking of stream, Yona Lloyd, the president of Soda Stream. You may recall that they had a uh, a whole goings-on with the most recent Super Bowl. Remember that whole thing? Anyway, Soda Stream is uh, a, an unbelievable and uh, ever-growing company. Yona Lloyd, our old friend, is the president. Matis speaks with him this coming Sunday on the stream at jmnam.org during uh, during uh, JM Sunday. So make sure to be tuned in for that. Tune on your computer, or turn on your computer, I should say, every Sunday morning, and you'll have a sixth day of JM in the AM with JM Sunday. Pretty remarkable concept, and Matis is doing a phenomenal job on a weekly basis with it. Quarter before... 7 o'clock Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, JM in the AM. Here's Baruch Levine. Toy, 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 
a.m. in the a.m. Nochi Kron and Company, amazing CD. It's called Sadik. The CD is Bonai. Tov uh, Lachsos, done by Baruch Levine, off of the Hashkifa CD. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Bahar and Bechukosai, as we close out the book of Vayikra. It's day 38 in the counting of the Omer, candlelighting at 7.35. Well, Ben Rosh Chodesh tomorrow, Rosh Chodesh Sivan is Friday. Rosh Chodesh Sivan is uh, Friday. A uh, new schedule for next week, as I explained earlier, the uh, trip, uh, our journey to Israel is postponed, probably till later in 2013, while I uh, follow medical advice and actually go through yet another foot procedure. And um, uh, next week, we were originally scheduled to uh, visit some of our amazing friends in the holy city of Jerusalem, including doing our Yom Yerushalayim special from Beit Orot. That will not be done in Beit Orot. Instead, it will be done here, and Mayor Weingarten is going to be leading the special starting Wednesday morning at 6 a.m., so make sure to co- to come in, to come in via radio and celebrate Yom Yerushalayim with Mayor, who will be on the air on Wednesday. My thanks in advance to those who will be uh, stepping in for me here at JM and the AM during next week. 52 degrees, sunshine, and a high temperature of 63. Clear skies tonight, low 48. Sunshine tomorrow, high 67. Naomi Nachman coming up at 9 o'clock on our stream at jmtheam.org with Table for Two. She has an amazing program scheduled for today, including the one and only Jay Booksbaum, wine expert himself. They'll talk about white wines. Our incredible stream of Erev Shabbos elections goes all day long from 10 a.m. until candle lighting. Take advantage of the nine and a half hours of great Erev Shabbos selections. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. And listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Golly, it's all in the background. News from Israel coming up. Weekly update coming up at 740. Rabbi Yudin at 815. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, Seagull with Avrami at 10 p.m. Eastern Time on the stream. And Matis has an amazing JM Sunday scheduled for Sunday at 7 a.m. Author Mordechai Schmutter, um, the head of Soda Stream, Yona Lloyd, will both join Matis on Sunday morning. Make sure to be tuned in. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday follows next. We say Boker Toe from JM צהל השעה שתיים, כנהוד גרף עם מה שקורה עכשיו. לקראת ביקורו הצפוי של ראש הממשלה נתניהו בשבוע הבא בסין, מודיעה בייג'ין, כי היא מוכנה לתווך בין ישראל לפלסטינים. כתבתנו נעמה ארטשיק. משרד החוץ של סין הודיע כי יהיה מוכן לארגן פגישה בין נתניהו לנשיא הרשות הפלסטינית אבו מאזן, שיגיע לבייג'ין יום לפני ראש הממשלה. לפי ההודעה, פגישה שכזאת תתקיים רק אם הצדדים יביעו עניין בכך. הערכות להתפרעויות של מתנחלים בשטחים בעקבות הריסת המבנה הלילה בצומת תפוח שהוקם לאחר רצח אביתר בורובסקי. כתבנו עידו בן בג'י. כבר בשעה זו מתחילים עשרות מתנחלים להתאסף בצומת תפוח זירת הפיגוע שבו נהרג אביתר בורובסקי מיצהר. מפגין אחד נעצר לאחר שהתעמת עם שוטרים. כוחות מג"ב גדולים פרוסים בכל האזור על מנת למנוע התפרעויות. ובתוך כך, בית משפט השלום בירושלים שחרר למעצר בית שלושה מתושבי יצהר החשודים במעורבות בהתפרעות לאחר הפיגוע ביום שלישי. על פי החשד, השלושה רגמו באבנים אוטובוס ובו תלמידות פלסטיניות ותקפו שוטרים שהגיעו למקום. 
שער הדולר ממשיך להיחלש. כתבתנו יונה לייבזון. למרות ההתערבות של בנק ישראל במסחר במטבע חוץ במהלך השבוע, גם היום נחלש הדולר בעשירית האחוז ושערו ננעל על שלושה שקלים, חמישים ושש אגורות ותשע עשיריות האגורה. האירו איבד מערכו שבע עשיריות האחוז ומחירו ארבעה שקלים, שישים ושבע אגורות ושלוש עשיריות האגורה. חבר הכנסת דב חנין הודיע כי לא יתמודד בבחירות הקרובות לראשות עיריית תל אביב. החלטתי לקחת צעד הצידה ולאפשר לאחרים להוביל את המערכה לשינוי העיר, כותב חנין בעמוד הפייסבוק שלו. האתגר של השינוי הגדול בעיר עוד לפנינו, ונשארתי לחלוטין מחויב לו. כך חנין שהתמודד בבחירות האחרונות מול ראש העירייה רון חולדאי. מזג האוויר, גם בערב צפויים מרפילים במישור החוף ובשפלה. לאורך סוף השבוע תחול עלייה בטמפרטורות ויהיה חם מהרגיל. שדה דוב חזר לפני זמן קצר לפעילות סדירה. אלה החדשות שעורך אילי לוין.
J.M. and the A.M., the amazing and incredible Ben Sion Schenker. My thanks to Norman Laster, another great edition of the Neshama program. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos, Bahar and Bechukosai with candle lighting at 735. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Day 38 in the counting of the Omer. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh Sivan tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh, Rosh Chodesh Sivan will be one day, one week from today. On Friday, sunshine with a high of 63. We're at 52 right now. Yassi Zablocki is with us live via telephone. No more appropriate time to have this conversation because he has announced a Shabbat Chazanut, Shlomo style. Uh, so I, you know, Chazanut, Neshama program. Uh, a Shabbat Chazanut, Shlomo style coming up Memorial Day weekend. This is in addition to his big plans for Shavuos up at the uh, Kutcher's Resort. And uh, where we, of course, established our main studio for the entire holiday of Pesach. You may recall that we broadcasted from up there in Monticello, New York, where the temperature was about 20 degrees. But I have a feeling that Yossi will tell us that it's even warmed up since then. It may not be the 70 we're looking for, but it's probably warmed up since then. Yossi Zablocki, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Malcolm. How are you? So where are we at temperature-wise up there? <laughs> um, I think it's warmed up. <laughs> Regular, uh, regular spring weather at this point. Are we anticipating a sunshiny Shavuos, or you don't know yet? It's going to be gorgeous. This is when the Catskills really, you know, really stars, you know, in, 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 in the spring and, and summer is really its season. Not so much, uh, not so much when you have freezing cold Pesach. <laughs> I'm telling you, it was a. Lo- it seemed like a long winter on Pesach, didn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it was it was the earliest that we ever had Pesach, and it was the coldest Pesach ever. But uh, if I remember correctly, even though it was uh, it was so cold, we, we, the kids and the adults who were, who were basically stuck inside for, for nine days straight, you hardly noticed that you were inside. Well, that's one of the advantages we always talk about. There's no question about that. So you've announced your Shavuos program, and let's start with the Shabbat Chazanut, if you don't mind, then we'll go back to Shavuos. You've actually taken Memorial Day weekend, and you've turned it into a Shlomo-style Shabbat Chazanut. Uh, what is this all about, and who's going to be participating? I'm trying to appeal for, for World Day Weekend. We're trying to appeal to a pretty broad audience. You have some people who are looking for something interesting. You have lots of people who are looking for something interesting for Shabbos, but you have two different mind frames. You have some people who are looking for more of a, a, a cantorial, Chazanish style, uh, dominating, and some people who want more of a, a singing style dominating. So we're bringing in Yankee Lemmer and the Shira Choir. And together between the two of them, we're going to merge those two worlds. We're going to have um, I mean, Yankee's an unbelievable, unbelievable cousin, and he can sing almost any style. That's for sure. Um, and so we're going to be doing something a little bit more of a Kalbach-style um, davening, but we're going to do it with Yankee Lemmer, you know, leading it, and so it's going to be, obviously, a, a much more Kazanish-style davening. Very. Um, plus, the she Choir is going to be backing him up, and also doing his Miroc and everything else, and so between the two of them, it's going to be a real, real Leibadik, and yet powerful cantorial weekend. That's happening Memorial Day, Shabbat Chazanut Shlomo style, and uh, as you mentioned, uh, Chazan Lemmer and the She Require, uh, I can attest to the fact that they certainly get the job done. They're very enjoyable to listen to. Who have you included in your Shavuos program who's part of the lineup this year? Oh gosh, the Shavuos program, I think I I went a little bit too far. (laughs) We're having seven, even though it's only a two-day holiday, we're having seven lecturers up there. Oh, wow. Including some all-night lecturers? Including the online lecturers, nice. seven different lecturers. Right. Um, so we're having um, we have Dov and Shani Heikin who are coming back to pictures. They were there for Pesach. Um, we have um, Rabbi Lichtenstein, who is a little bit more of a Hasidish type character, and he's for, for that element of our, our Jewish community. We have Rabbi Moshe Shore, who was there Pesach. 
and his son-in-law Yossi Phelps, so he's more of a Kalbach style um, type rabbi. We have Rabbi Yale Butler, who is our, our house rabbi. He'll be back um, for Shavuos. Um, that was one, two, three, four, five. I have Rabbi Shmuley Lotaf who's going to be there. Um, so he's, he's uh, obviously very well known, um, uh, and he's going to be giving both lectures during the all night learning, as well as um, you know, the rest of time Shavuos. So we have a very very um, powerful. Well, I'm sure with him, you'll, I'm sure with him, you'll have a very diverse uh, uh, array of topics. No question about that. Who's this? Uh, who's this, Mister Shabbos that you've been announcing is going to be part of uh, Shavuos? Uh, so he's he's going to be doing a a, um, a puppet show for the kids. It's uh, and he calls himself Mister Shabbos. He's called Mister Shabbos. Um, <laughs> he will be there on Shavuos as opposed to Shabbos. Right. Um, but nonetheless, he's going to be doing the religious themes puppet shows. So he comes in with puppet. You know, normally puppet shows don't have necessarily a religious theme to it. Um, however, he, he's a uh, you know he's a Jewish educator who goes around um, the country in Israel with with his uh, I guess his routine. Um, and he does, you know, shows about the Beit HaMikdash and you know, all kind of other religious things. Um, Are you opening up Shavuos? I'm sorry, go ahead. That's be very unique for the kids. Are you opening up Shavuos to singles as well? Um, yeah, we have a very large singles program. I mean, we, we, we catered a family event thing, a very large hotel, so we can have everybody. Um, but Sharon Gantz is, is making uh, a tremendous efforts with the share, with a, with a leading a singles program. She has promoters from, um, she's working with five different singles promoters that are all coming together, bringing their own singles groups. They're all going to be together when they come to the dining room, but they're various people who are organizing them. I think we're going to have a very nice, uh, singles program. And then between, between, uh, you know, Moshe Shore and between High and Kiss will be there. We're going to do a real nice cleanse in the uh, in the in the dining room, so it's going to be really a wonderful program for singles, for families. We have a great day camp program for the kids with Mr. Shabbos and our and our you know our carnival equipment that we have up with pictures. So it's really you know you know three different programs for three different you know age groups of people and. Um, it should be an unbelievable, unbelievable show. You're offering two to five night stays. I'm assuming that you're expecting some people to stay for the Shabbos after Shavuos. Right, you know, you know, there's other you know, various types of you know programs that they have, you know, for for the for Shavuos various hotels open up. But we're going to be, the, we're obviously the only one that can do a five night stay because we don't, you know, we're not taking over a hotel. So people who want to come for two nights, come two nights. You want to stay three, you can stay three. You want to stay five, you know, it's not a problem because we're doing kosher food all the time. Simple as that. Well, there you have it, folks. How do people get information about both Shavuos and Memorial Day Shabbat Chazanut up at Kutcher's? They can call eight four five. Seven nine four six thousand eight four five seven nine four six thousand. Simple as that. All right, Yossi, continued good luck. We had a blast up there in Pesach, as uh, everyone heard who tuned in. And um, I'm sure the weather will be even better and that the uh, program will be just as good, if not even better, uh, come Shavuos and Memorial Day weekend. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks very much. Have a good trip to Israel. Thank, well, <laughs> he may not have been listening earlier. That was postponed, but it'll it, it'll be Bezrat Hashem later in uh, 2013. Oh, sorry about that. I didn't <laughs> wake up early enough. No problem. <laughs> no excuse. Uh, and no no reason to. Um, don't worry about it. Eight four five seven nine four six thousand. Eight four five. Seven nine four six thousand. Kutcher's has announced their Shavuos program and their Memorial Day Shabbat Chazanut program. You can check it out. Call that number. Speak to Yossi Zablocki and plan ahead. Uh, yeah, for those of you who weren't tuned in earlier, the um, chronic situation that many of our longtime listeners are familiar with regarding my left foot has, uh, for some reason, decided to uh, 
to flare up this week, and uh, some type of procedure is necessary sooner rather than later, and uh, therefore uh, yesterday uh, the proper decision was made, because I'm told and continue to remind people on a regular basis that health is more important than anything else, and I guess I have to follow my own advice, right? And uh, therefore... um, uh, we'll be taking care of that, and our JMNAM amazing staff will be taking care of you over the next uh, few days. And uh, to our friends at Crib Efrat and Or Mayor Bracha and uh, obviously Beit Road, where we were supposed to be on Yom Yushalayim and Emuna, all where we were planning some amazing on-air visits, uh, our apologies, and uh, we will, uh, Bezrat Hashem, schedule those visits for another time and our Yom Yerushalayim special which we were so much looking forward to actually being in Yerushalayim will be done by Mayor Weingarten here in Jersey City and he has an amazing way as all of us know of uh, taking us to Yerushalayim on Yom Yerushalayim even from thousands of miles away so that'll happen on Wednesday morning and I strongly recommend everybody tune in day 38 in the counting of the Omer Bahar B'chu double Parsha wrapping up Sefer Vayikra Vayudin coming up a little later on Malcolm Holmline We'll discuss the uh, week's events. We call it the weekly update. We'll have that for you coming up about 7.40 this morning if you keep it here at JM in the AM.
Shlomi Gertner before that. You heard Yitzhak Fuchs open up that set. J.M. in the A.M. and uh, a Friday morning broadcast on this era of Shabbos. Bahar and Bechukosai, double Parsha, closing out the book of Vayikra. Ken, excuse me, candlelighting is at 7.35 later on. Uh, a lot of synagogues begin earlier than that. Make sure you know when things start where you are. It's day 38 in the counting of the Omer. And we will bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Sivan will be next Friday. We will bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Change the schedule for next week. As we've been announcing, we were scheduled to be in Israel and visit our friends on air from uh, Krib Efrat and Ormei Urbracha and Amuna and, of course, Beit Arot, where we were supposed to broadcast an unbelievable Yom Yerushalayim special from northeast Jerusalem, which would have been absolutely incredible. And as I mentioned earlier, the um, a chronic foot situation that I have has demanded, unfortunately, a an inordinate amount of attention uh, at the beginning of next week. So our incredible JMNAM staff will be in next week. And uh, Mayor Weingarten, who has uh, taken us to Jerusalem on Yom Yushalayim, even from 6,000 miles away, will lead our Yom Yushalayim special from right here in Jersey City on Wednesday morning. And uh, I strongly recommend everyone listen every day, but especially on Jerusalem Day. And what better way to get over my... Uh, uh, my um, my uh, depression about about my foot situation, then 
speaking about cheery things and wonderful pieces of news with the weekly update. That's right. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations and joins us for the weekly update here at JM and the ABC. Mr. Holmline, even I believe it's an unfair characterization that everything we discuss in this segment is depressing. I'm sure there's plenty of cheery stuff to cheer everybody up out there. Only good news. (laughs) By the way, speaking of good news, knowing that it is Jerusalem Day next week, and obviously this is more of pride with Israel than with Jerusalem, I would hope that people would uh, feel tremendous pride uh, in Yerushalayim with the big day coming up. But did you see uh, the, the comments by Warren Buffett regarding Israel and entrepreneurship and the company Iskar that he continues to make a major investment in it's uh, it, it is heartwarming to see someone like himself recognize some of the amazing miracles and you have to say it's a miracle of the state of israel uh, he, he only put in another two billion into his car <laughs> i don't know I guess it adds up after a while <laughs> i guess but uh but it is remarkable and it's not the first time he once said that if you're looking for oil and gas for oil and energy then don't, in, when you go to the middle east skip israel if you're looking for integrity, creativity, tenacity, etc., it's your only stop. Wow. And this time he's, he, he came out even more strongly in terms of praising Israel and saying that outside of investing here in the United States, it's the best place to invest. And he's not the first to do it. I remember when the head of Motorola, when others talked about and praised the, uh, their investments in Israel and how they paid off. So, you see, we do start with good news. Oh, yes. And we have... So much to celebrate with Yom Yerushalayim, something, unfortunately, people take for granted. Oh, Yerushalayim for granted, we take Israel for granted. We have to step back once in a while and look that despite the fact that we tend to focus, as is necessary, on the challenges and issues to understand them, uh, we also have to look at the really terrific things that happen. By the way, rain in Jerusalem today, so they really thought I was coming, because as you know, <laughs> as you know, that always seems <laughs> to happen. By the, by the way, we could, we could skip right over this. I don't know why it seems that sometimes I see news items and nobody else seems to see. Did Israel this week, yes or no, attack or bomb or explode a chemical factory in Syria? And why do, why do I seem to be the only one who saw this news item? Um, there was no such thing. I don't. I don't want to get into your drug habit, but uh, <laughs> oh, <please>. <laughs> I think that, <laughs> that, as far as I know, Israel did not explode a chemical weapon. So there was no there was no warehouse attack on Syria. There was nothing that people you know uh, assumed Israel had carried out this week. Not that I know. Unbelievable! I'll tell you. I don't. You've accused me of seeing news items that nobody else sees. I guess this is just another example that you, you put medicine. That you, maybe that's what it is. Although I don't think it's kicked in yet. Uh, the New York Times today starts with an article about the Prime Minister of Israel and how Prime Minister Netanyahu said yesterday that any peace agreement with the Palestinians should be put to a referendum, a move that some Israelis view as a potential obstacle to a deal. Even as Secretary of State Kerry works intently to renew long-stalled Israeli-Palestinian peace talks. Could you analyze this strategy from Netanyahu? Well, it's not the first time that it was proposed. It's been proposed many times and saying that you want to get a, a deal that will have the broad support of the people in order to be implemented because so many times the peace deals with Egypt, with Jordan, for instance, you know, were deals with the government, not with the people. And if you don't have the people behind it, they don't last. They don't. They can be sustained by the governments as long as they're in power. But what happens when somebody else comes to power becomes a colder peace, and 
You have a Morsi who will not mention Israel. You have, uh, you know, the King of Jordan is certainly in trouble. We have uh, uh, very dangerous situations around. So the Prime Minister says, I want to have a deal that will really have the broad support, the true support of the people, so that it can be implemented properly. Um, this week, the, the Washington meeting was Livni and Kerry, was it? Yes. Now, what goes on at meetings like that and the one she had with uh, Ban Ki-moon, if there's really no process going on right now, what are they discussing? Well, first of all, you had the, the discussions with the uh, Arab League and the statement by the committee and the representatives led by, of all countries, Qatar, the foreign minister of Qatar, again reasserting the 2002 Arab peace plan with some changes uh, uh, regarding a minor swaps of territory, uh, but reasserting their commitment to try and achieving a peace and saying that they would all recognize Israel and holding this out. Of course, there are a lot of problems with the Arab peace plan. It's not a peace plan. It's an initiative of theirs. It's a proposal. If you remember when it was originally given, it was sort of a diktat. It was not a subject of negotiations. It was saying, here, take it or leave it. Uh, and Abbas was, of course, part of that uh, discussion as well. Uh, and they put it forward, but it does present an opening, and I, the Prime Minister at first reacted positively to, to the idea that they were willing to discuss peace, uh, remembering that they all feel tremendous pressure, too, because of what's happening with the Muslim Brotherhood, what's happening with Iran, right. uh, as we'll sure discuss, but the Tsipi the, um, the, the, Livni came because she was, in addition to being appointed Minister of Justice, was also put in charge of any future negotiations with the Palestinians. And, but she didn't come alone. She also came with Yitzhak Molcho, who was the Prime Minister's, is the Prime Minister's uh, designated representative in these talks and has been carrying the melon for many years. Was her appointment to that uh, position met with a lot of criticism? There was criticism of it at the time, but... Because there was no process going on, there was no negotiations going on, it was seen as a, a, you know, not necessarily of key relevance. Now, of course, because of Secretary Kerry's um, involvement in this, and it seems to be that he's going to go back to the region again, he's, he's very committed to, to trying to move this forward, to, he, it, it has more significance, and therefore she responded when the uh, Arab initiative was, was announced, and she... Um, is now in Washington. I know people were asking, you know, what is this, the business of the Minister of Justice? But in fact, she has this uh, second portfolio. There is concern about whether the United States is drifting into this trap of the Arab uh, proposal um, and whether there's, there represents some sort of a shift. I don't think that there's any evidence right now, but we have to recognize that uh, there are many problematic things in the in the proposal itself but the fact that the arab states are saying again to israel and i think if they're really serious they shouldn't put a plan right. they should sit and talk to netanyahu and right. let them really discuss and see what positive role they can play and let them all say that they're prepared to recognize without condition uh, the right of israel to exist as a jewish state now you're being way too sensible stay with israel for a second should we not invite danny ayalon and avigdor lieberman to the same cocktail party I think that would probably be wise. <laughs> it was a good strategy. Yes, I think so. And this is, is this really I alone going the extra mile because of the uh, uh, contempt he has for Lieberman, or or what? Or he's just answering the state's uh, uh, directive to go and testify? I, I don't know. Uh, one has to assume that he feels he's doing what he has to do. Right. Uh, 
is he angry about the fact that he was dismissed as he was? Of course. It's right. That's so publicly, so it's not a secret. Uh, Arye Derry, again, the leader of Shas, your reaction? Uh, it's interesting, but not unanticipated. Uh, and uh, uh, he was named after the Moetzis of uh, uh, joined Rav Shah, uh, joined Avadya Yosef in making the decision. Uh, so I think people, uh, there's concern about the direction that Shas is losing support. And that Derry, who is a very smart politician, a very smart uh, tactician, uh, will bring it a new, into new direction. One of the things that uh, was a very hot news item last week when we didn't uh, conduct the weekly update was this airport strike in Israel. And now it seems that, again, there is an effort to try to uh, get the... Uh, you know, very necessary services uh, to to not give them the ability to strike. We've seen this in in in, in countries that uh, try to try to rule with sanity when it comes to certain public services that are very necessary. The airport being one of them. Do you see any hope for this in the future of Israel? Look, it's uh, Israel. Uh, it still carries vestiges from its early days and the disproportionate power of uh, the Israelites and other groups. has often come under. Uh, criticism at the Knesset by governments that were previous attempts. Uh, this this one was really centered on the proposal for the open skies, which wanted to sought to make it more competitive uh, for peop- for other airlines to come to Israel and therefore lower the prices. Uh, El Al obviously objected. They reached an agreement in the end by giving right. uh, by picking up more of the uh, costs for security on El Al. The government picked up that cost, and therefore that that. Uh, strike ended, but there will be more cuts. The, the government has to cut tens of billions of shekels uh, from the budget, and it will affect people's employment and in Israel. That often leads to strikes. No question about that. The attack and murder of Evyatar Barofsky this week. So is this the responsibility of a larger terror organization, an isolated episode? What's the aftermath? Well, it's not clear yet. Uh, although we know who did it, and the, uh, uh, there was no hesitancy on the part of Fata to to extol the killer and to put on their, um, they posted his picture on the website and to again um, uh, lionize somebody who kills a 31 year old father of five standing at a bus stop, not doing anything, and you know justifying this kind of, uh, of a horrific act, and that's not surprising that 40% of Palestinians see suicide bombers as uh, justified to defend Islam, and in fact, it was in, in a Pew study, it was more than any of the other Arab or Muslim countries. Uh, 49% said they did not support it, but the fact that 40% did was seen as uh, as significant, and this, uh, whether Assad Zagli was part of a bigger group, the fact is that he's certainly influenced by the ongoing incitement that we that is true in the Palestinian media and the Arab media generally, and uh, you know should be the focus of a lot of attention when they talk about negotiations. This should be a precondition, not as a precondition to negotiations, but preconditions to being eligible to be part of negotiations. That they got to stop this incitement and the justification and of, of quote martyrs of those who killed Jews. And when you read in the press that this was the first West Bank attack on a quote-unquote settler in how many months or years, etc., your response is? Well, remember the, the father and son were killed with the rock. Why was that? That's terrorism. It yeah, wasn't uh, exactly. a long time ago, and there have been ongoing attacks and assaults, and many of them prevented. So 
it is true that the Palestinian security forces in Israel coordinate well and have prevented attacks. And the fact that the IDF is there on the ground, uh, they've made many arrests. It, it's ongoing. It's not something that you read about all the time, but it is an ongoing activity. Yeah. And thank God every time it's prevented. We're happy and thankful. Well, understood. It's not very comforting to Eviatar's kids. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. 91.9 FM up in Rockland County and, of course, around the world on the web at jmtheam.org. Is Ahmadinejad now officially out as president of Iran? He's not out yet. He will be. I think the election is June 14th, and he is sponsoring a candidate, and the Khamenei is sponsoring, although we don't know which one. That's why they're trying to work out a deal with Argentina that would clear Veliati for one to be the, the candidate. This is the same guy... He's now an advisor to Khamenei for International Affairs, um, who this week spoke about the fact that the Palestinians drove three million Israelis into shelters with the Fajar missiles that Iran supplied. And he even uh, they even used a figure this week that they've given him fifty thousand missiles um, that uh, since November of uh, of last year, and that thousands of anti-tank rockets to Gaza. And uh, it shows the crucial role of Iran in Gaza as the victory, so to speak. But the internal struggle inside uh, over this election is of far greater significance than I think people tend to realize. Uh, they don't have the campaigning as we have, but there is a, a real all-out uh, war between them right now. And Ahmadinejad this week was deta- detained when he was called to a meeting at the headquarters of the Iran Revolutionary Guard. And this is uh, one of an ongoing series of these kind of uh, actions. And he has been making more and more blatant attacks on uh, on Khamenei. So the, the, we see Iran uh, being more assertive, one with arms to Gaza, again reactivating the route through, through Khartoum. You remember when Israel bombed right. the storage facilities and knocked out a large number of weapons that were bound for Gaza from Iran via Sudan. Now they, they've... Uh, again started sending these cargo planes unscheduled flights from Tehran to Khartoum uh, we see Iranian expansionism in other areas uh, and the, the concern being expressed by many Arab leaders about it and they're worried about what the internal uh, decisions are made, what direction right. it will take. I don't remember where I read this but is somebody in this election process trying to tone down the rhetoric against Israel? So this is very interesting and uh, I, I can't tell you exactly what the significance is in terms of some of the people who were involved, but the mayor of Tehran uh, attacked Ahmadinejad's Holocaust denial, saying that it was damaging, it was useless remarks, huh. uh, it weakened, these are real quotes, right. as I recall them, uh, it, it weakened the position uh, of Iran, but it wasn't the only one. There were others who, who also came out and, and uh, attacked um, the anti-Semitism and, and the, some of the extremist remarks by Ahmadinejad. Um, but the election, which is coming up uh, now, I think there are 20 candidates, if, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and uh, a few of them actually did uh, did make these references. Huh, interesting. 
sometimes you don't know what's better to, <laughs> to have someone openly tell you how they feel about Israel, or you know, you're not quite sure, you know, what the reason is behind them trying to tone that rhetoric. You know what I mean? Right. But and, none of them is is arguing for stopping the uh, right. the race towards a nuclear weapon. We right. know that they continue to build up their capacity all the time. Where people are negotiating, we're focused on other things. They continue to enrich and. Um, and the people will now write about, you know, the breakout can come at any time. Just a matter of a decision. It's not a matter of capacity of when Iran will be able to, uh, that, that, that many argue they've already crossed the red line. Right. Uh, theoretically, the red line, that even if they don't have the stockpile, they don't need it because that they can produce it at any time. And they're uh, continuing to support subversion and terrorism and export of the revolution if they feel at any point it's not enough they will turn to this and move quickly to to get to their goal we'll get back to iran and syria in a minute let me ask you on in, in terms of leadership of uh, of countries uh, are, are people protesting against maduro in venezuela the way they never would have against chavez yes they, they, uh, he's seen as weaker in the election which many people think was stolen uh, or accuse him of stealing um and also because he doesn't have the the status, so he invokes Chavez all the time and hides behind his picture and his association with him. Uh, uh, people are frustrated and people are very angry. They they uh, don't like the direction. It a lot depends on where the military will come down. But right now, I, I don't think that he will be deposed. But the the, the protests. Are significant. So, if Chavez was still around, we would not be seeing this level of protest. I, I don't think you would have seen it uh, right at this level. And the other thing I wanted to ask you, in light of the Boston bombing and all the discussion uh, going on regarding who knew what when, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, uh, between the President of the United States and uh, Vladimir Putin, uh, it, it seems like Putin comes out looking better in this whole situation looking more informed, looking like he uh, took the initiative in terms of trying to uh, track down the background of these guys. Would you agree with that or not? No, first of all, that R- Russia has its own agendas in all of these instances. Their big fear, and, and one of the reasons they don't want to see Syria deposed despite, uh, aside from the fact that they have a base and that they sell them a lot of weapons and that they, this is part of the U.S.-Russia showdown and they try to stick it in the eye of the United States wherever they can, um, it, their big driving concern is the, is what happens in Chechnya, right. where they you know have killed tens of thousands, where they've lost soldiers, where Chechnyans have carried out terrorist attacks inside Moscow and, and other places. So this is a driving passion uh, uh, for them. And these guys, um, and and supposedly whether they have, they warned or how much they warned and, and who was on list. Uh, is becoming more and more clear, but I don't, don't think we have the, the full picture at this point. So for Russia, you have to understand this is an obsession, and um, uh, and therefore they they are on top of it. They have not taken steps against other terrorist operations. They have not. They have uh, allowed Iran to continue. They were, uh, you know opposed sanctions and in Syria. So it's not because they're tzaddikim in this. No, that I understand. What would you do with the? Uh uh, with the uh, friends who are being accused of uh, helping them get rid of evidence, etc. I think I would do anything to get the information necessary to find out if there are additional threats to the lives and well-being of people in Boston or anywhere else in the United States. I think this is the primary responsibility, and, and uh, it should be the priority concern right now. 
The United States is sending what I think generously could be called mixed messages about supporting rebels in Syria or not. Uh, the uh, the brand new um, defense secretary seems to be projecting a flip-flop attitude from Washington in regard to this manner. Do you agree? Well, there is, there's an image that has been uh, created about where the United States, when if it should have done things earlier, what it should do now. You know, just to argue that is that the United States should supply weapons to the rebels is an easy uh, uh, slogan, but its implementation is difficult because the question is where are they going to end up? If Syria today is, is considered the biggest arms dump in the world, like Libya was. And we may end up with the same situation that when Assad falls or when there is a change in the regime, that all of a sudden all of these weapons, these huge deposits of weapons, are going to fall into the hands of these terrorists. We see all the competition today is between different uh, jihadist groups who are coming in, including from the people from hundreds from Europe, from France, Great Britain, uh, uh, Ireland are the leading ones. And by the way, from, from France, especially after the murders in, in Toulouse, which I had reported a long time ago, now we're seeing that the, even the French government is recognizing it and talking about some of the activities in France and the, and the, the people who are going who are, may not be jihadists when they leave, but believe me, when they go back, they will be. And the, um, and we see the fight today over the Al Safira military base, which is near Aleppo, which is a critical place because supposedly has a major chemical weapons uh, plant there, and how close Al-Qaeda, through, under the guise of al-Nusra, which is Al-Qaeda in, uh, in uh, Syria and, and Iraq, which I talked about here, and people didn't want to pay attention, and all of a sudden they say, oh, it's a small group, small group, you don't need big groups. You know, you, they have a few thousand fighters, that's all you need, and you have a big influx now of, of fighters, and Nasrallah this week uh, even acknowledged that he had uh, he, he had gone to Tehran in April on a secret visit. That they're building a hundred and fifty thousand man force based in Iran and Iraqis and Hezbollah and the Gulf, taking Shiites from other countries to go into Syria afterwards to be able to protect quote the Shiite population, but to create perhaps a Shiite state. They would like all of Syria to be a Shiite state and to to um, and to to support the, the government. We. He said that Iranians are not fighting there now. We know Iran Revolutionary Guard are fighting, and the uh, and we see that Iraqi Shiites who are going in there in, in greater and greater numbers um, and saying that they're going to protect the Shiite areas in Damascus, for instance. Uh, even Pakistanis uh, are coming, and for a long time, you know, the Shiites uh, from Iran were missionizing in Syria, and they converted whole Sunni villages, and they got special treatment, they got special money. So this is a goal that they have established for a long time was, and, and it's part of what I said, is that the underlying theme in a lot of what is happening is the Sunni-Shiite battle for control. Well, then, if that's the case, then shouldn't Chuck Hagel be a little bit more reserved with his comments? Because it, if there is no clear U.S. policy, or if we don't know what direction the U.S. should go in in terms of arming the rebels, then why say anything? Because there's a lot of pressure, and people are saying, you know, now that you have more evidence and, and uh, we know what, what's going on, it's a humanitarian tragedy. Uh, I think maybe intervention early on where we might have identified right. people who could have uh, led in a different direction. Right. And the people who, with whom we tend to negotiate, you know, the, the leaders, they're not the guys who are fighting on the ground. And we could well have the day after massive chaos, you, and you can have, and it's part of the problem is that, that the Syrian war is not the rebels against Assad alone. 
It's the United States versus Russia. It's Turkey versus Iran. It's the jihadists versus other jihadists. It's Qatar versus Saudi Arabia. There are layers and layers of, of, and the Kurds, and so many other issues that add to the complexity of uh, of the conflict there that there's no simple solution right now. And the question, you know, many people argue we're better off that Assad stays in control. You see in the Golan that some of these jihadist groups are moving closer and closer towards the Israeli border. Even King Abdullah, uh, you know, made reference to it. And the United States is training people in Syria, in Jordan, Syrians in Jordan, to, to work on the border in, 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 uh, of the Israel and Jordan with Syria to protect from the Syrian side uh, the day after. Uh, and to because of the concern about what this all could lead to. And, and you know, they, they, the terrorist groups have said over the last couple of weeks that once they're finished with uh, with Assad, they go after Jordan and Israel. All right, so I know you don't predict, but you would be shocked if the U.S. in fact would assist an armed rebels in Syria. Look, many people say we are assisting already. We're sending weapons through our third parties. I would not be shocked by, uh, by the United States ratcheting up to a degree its involvement. We're not talking about troops on the ground. Uh, I think that, that there's no possibility of that right now. I think the no-flight zone... Uh, would lead to a, a clash because the Russians, the Iranians, Hezbollah declared this week that any attempt of that kind would provoke a response from them and that they, they will not allow Assad to be uh, felt by foreign intervention or to have this kind of uh, step taken, whether it's a no-fly zone or some other measure. By the way, didn't Nasrallah this week say that uh, he's not responsible for the uh, taking down of that Israeli drone? That he wasn't responsible for sending the Israeli drone. Yeah, what do you mean for sending? Debate about uh, who was behind it. This is was clearly an Iranian uh, drone, uh, and that is that they shot down about ten kilometers, I think, from Haifa. Oh, that the Israelis shot down. The Israelis took it. Ah, so he's saying that he's not responsible for the launch of that drone. The launching, right? And why would why would he say that? Isn't it better for him to give the impression, make people believe that he's responsible for it, that he has that capability? Well, first of all, the, the message was to the to Israel, but the message also was his, his people that you know they're not out of the picture, and they and this could be a remapping. This could be uh, serving many purposes. It all could have been launched by somebody without his official approval, but somebody within the ranks of of Hezbollah may have launched this. Uh, you know, they knew that people would see it. Israeli radar detected it right away, so he may be uh, distancing himself because he doesn't want retaliation. They fear the retaliation because of the internal situation in Lebanon, which also gets no attention. But there's more and more fear of civil war. The, 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 uh, the prime minister they appointed has resigned, and uh, so there's there's instability there as well. Was the uh, prime minister of Syria the target of that explosion this week? Or that was a coincidence that he was there? No, he, it was targeted. Um, according to most of the reports that I've seen, he, it was targeted. He escaped, but the cars with him were badly uh, damaged. Right, and he's not nearly as powerful as Assad is, for those wondering what type of position he holds in government, right? No, these guys, are, today it's, it's Assad and his henchmen who run everything in the military. Yet another Israeli military official hit the uh, media this week with comments about Iran and a strike against them being a last resort. No matter how much we preach, nobody keeps their mouths shut. Well, these are usually former officials who have uh, lately taken to to uh, making these kind of statements with greater frequency, and I, I'm not exactly sure why. Uh, I have heard, and I met with uh, one who I trust very much, and 
his assessment was quite different about uh, the, the timetable, the seriousness, the uh, um, likelihood of of uh, something happening. Wow. Because look, Iran is not holding back. I talked about their expansionist activity of their activities, whether it's in Gaza or with Hezbollah, or with whatever uh, around in Africa and elsewhere. But the nuclear program, which gets little attention, right. is moving ahead all the time. And every week we're out, we miss a couple of the key steps that, uh, you know, that have been taken. And, and the internal situation that we mentioned before really gives us an opportunity. We should be exploiting this election. There were ex- exposés of Khamenei's foundations where they, he has tens and tens of billions of dollars in real estate in his foundation, and he owns 36 companies, and the IRGC is worth billions, you know. So these guys who said they were coming in to clean up, and et cetera, are really just as corrupt, if not way more corrupt, probably, than the Shah ever was. And there is a reaction, and they, they are, in fact, training Basiji, these extremists, to prevent any kind of public demonstrations like you had last time. So there, there are positive signs, there are things that are happening, including in terms of this Arab initiative, where where they are looking at Israel differently, I think, today. In, in the totality of, of the issues in the Middle East, in the context of the Middle East. Hmm, unbelievable. Uh, you mentioned Egypt earlier. Could you give us an update on what's going on between Israel and Egypt and the uh, Gaza border? Yeah, this is, uh, there have been a, a lot of developments on the, uh, uh, b- the situation uh, between the, both between Hamas and Egypt in Gaza, but also in the Sinai. And in Gaza itself, Hamas has been replacing the police who were on the border with their uh, elite troops because they want to try and stop some of the, the um, launching of missiles because Israel's retaliation, the Israeli Air Force hit back. Uh, this is in keeping with the peace deal that they made. Um, and you've seen in Egypt attacks against Hamas claiming that they used these special darts to kill demonstrators in, in Tahrir Square in the investigation of what happened at the time of the revolution. They're shifting the onus more and more to the... Um, to the uh, to Hamas, and you see other uh, uh, other attacks. The IF hit successfully uh, several headquarters and killed one of the leading terrorists uh, uh, re- re- recently. So, and they have uh, arrested uh, some uh, Salafists and other people in Gaza and elsewhere. The, the situation, though, in Gaza is not improved. They have the Egyptians have taken out some more tunnels. They're moving against uh, Hamas because of the blowback into Egypt and the, and the concern about what this this means for for the internal situation, which is uh, very unstable. And the demonstrations continue in many places in in Egypt. They they hardly get reported. The economy continues to sink, and the Sinai has gotten much worse, much worse. And the uh, the fact is that the Egyptian army has virtually no control. In the, in the uh, in the Sinai, the Bedouins and and uh, the army have been clashing. The Bedouins and some of the uh, Al Qaeda groups have clashed. And the Bedouins themselves have become more radicalized over uh, over the last year, and we see more Islamist influence there. They always were, you know, that the smugglers and they engage in crime and do all these things. But they now that we see that they're even getting this uh, extremist ideology introduced there as well. So. Egypt today is facing very serious internal challenges. They want to focus internally, uh, but they see that the situation getting out of control and, and the fear, um, well, for one thing, Israel is limited in its ability to strike back in, in, uh, in Sinai 
because it means an attack against Egypt and against Egyptian forces in Gaza. You're attacking Hamas and mm. and uh, their terrorists. Right. Would you is unstable the right word for the Egyptian government at this point? I think it's an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, this is no, I know this is not good news for people who think that the fall. We don't know what will follow. We don't know <clears throat> what uh, what measures will be taken. You know, Muslim Brotherhood's not going to give up voluntarily their control of the of the Egyptian government. The military has been infiltrated. They replaced, as you remember, the key leaders. The um, uh, that they are putting Muslim Brotherhood guys into the to the military academies to be the next leaders and to make sure their uh, their control. There are angry demonstrations at the unemployment rate is soaring. The fifty percent of the people now make under two dollars a day. The price of food, the subsidies have been cut because they don't have the money to pay for the uh, subsidies for, you know, basic things like cooking oil, food, right. bread, etc. So Egypt's situation is very tenuous. And I, I, again, I, people shouldn't look at this just on a superficial level. Uh, this is a serious uh, this has serious implications. Um, a, lot, a, lot, a good part of this audience is going to be in Washington on uh, Yom Yerushalayim, NORPAC mission, and uh, you know that close to a thousand people will be there. What are the major issues? People should go in and discuss uh, aid or no aid to which countries, and what else is Congress uh, ready to tackle when it comes to the Middle East? Well, I have to say, first of all, I think it's very important, but Congress is today with us. They are on the issues, the sanctions, uh, increasing the sanctions in Iran, um, recognizing the, the needs of Israel for its security today, and we have uh, you know the pledged arms sales. It, the, the president has promised to extend the this arrangement for another 10 years uh, where military aid increases, and we've eliminated... Uh, all of the economic aid to Israel right. uh, to look at the at these critical issues and and see what what how we ratchet up the pressure in Iran how we deal with the influx of terrorists into this country and and the steps that can be taken to enhance the security like the New York Police Department has done and gets criticized for taking steps that are really saving yeah, lives of course all the time <laughs> that uh, uh, there are critical issues that they can uh, address. Uh, in term, but I have to say that that the Congress has been in the forefront of a lot of this, and even Senator Menendez and others who, who are in critical positions have uh, taken on the administration or led uh, on these issues. Uh, there are, uh, but we should not take it for granted. And, and the more we educate, the more we explain to people what the what the real stake of the United States is today, and who what turns out to be the source of stability in the Middle East, and as Biden. Uh, told us it was it's America's aircraft carrier in the Middle East. That the the relationship which today I think is is, is better. And Secretary Hagel's visit was uh, was very good. And the uh, there are concerns about the arms sales to the UAE, to Saudi Arabia, uh, despite the offset sales to to Israel. I think the sales to Israel really are essential for Israel's security. It's uh, a refueling capacity being enhanced, but the delivery will be in years. So we have to see to it that Israel's security capacity is enhanced now, that we speed up uh, the delivery and assure that uh, Israel can defend itself and that the United States stays ahead of, of the curve on some of these uh, these vital issues. Oh, no question about it. All right, 30 seconds, Malcolm. Cheer me up. Yom Yerushalayim is coming up Wednesday. Let us all be proud of the amazing accomplishments and miracles in the Holy City. Well, I think there are a lot of things that, so much that we can be proud of, all the the, the, uh, there were new discoveries again. There are things that are coming up all the time that uh, I mean we don't have time to go into. But 
so many things that that uh, have been discovered in this past year that uh, validate our claims at a time when when some of the Arab countries and this, these groups that got together to declare, you know, the Kotel and all of these other things, uh, all the other sites, uh, Keva Rachel, as the Muslim holy places and denying the Jewish roots to, in Jewish connections. The fact is that the Kaddish Baruch Hu is giving us all the signs and he's get, showing us and reminding us of the sanctity of Jerusalem, of our responsibilities to Jerusalem, of the meaning of Jerusalem to all of us. And the worst thing we can do is to take it for granted. Oh, yes. No question about it. All right, everybody, celebrate. Celebrate Jerusalem and get ready. We're going to be celebrating Israel here at the very beginning of June with the big parade up Fifth Avenue. We should already start talking about that as well. Malcolm will update everybody regarding next week's schedule, etc. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. 24 minutes after 8 o'clock, it's Erev Shabbos, Parshas Bahar, and Bechu Kosai. Candlelighting at 7.35, this time each and every Friday morning, every Erev Shabbos. With great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading the two parshios of Bahar and Bukhukosai. It is Shabbos Chazak. We have the privilege of finishing the third book of the Torah, Sefer Vayikra. Parshas Bahar, according to the Chinuch, contains 24 mitzvos, beginning with that of Shemitah, the seventh year, the sabbatical year. Something I just want you to think about for a moment. We're all familiar that there is the concept of the sabbatical that academicians in the university, after a certain amount of time, professors are given a year off to do their research, to continue and to study, etc. My friends, we had it first way before people were called professors. We were farmers. And Hashem says to the Jewish people, rather than they should spend all their life on the farm, what happens every seventh year? We all become professors. We all become academicians. We all go to the Beis HaMedrash. And we leave the driving to Him. We don't have to worry about the sustenance, the sustenance is going to come counterintuitively after we've worked the land straight for six years. You would imagine that the yield that's going to come after that would be most minimal. It is just then that God is going to give us the bracha for shlosh hashonim to keep us going until the end of the eighth, because we're not going to plant until the beginning of the eighth year. Incredible. And what do we do on this Shemitah sabbatical year? The Torah says, Shabbos Hashem. The land should have a Shabbos for God, meaning an opportunity for the Jew to attach himself to God. And we learn from Shemitah how ideally we are to spend our 
regular Shabbos an opportunity once again to attach ourselves to Hashem. The second parsha of Bechukosai contains 12 mitzvos. It has the tochacha, the curses that are found in this book of Ayikra, and the tochacha there has nichumim, has consolation. At the end, and the Rambat tells us that the tochacha that's found in this week's parsha reflects the first Beis HaMikdash, and unfortunately that which is found in Parshas Kisavo at the end of the fifth book of the Torah reflects the present Golos that we are in after the destruction of the second Beis HaMikdash. I'd like to focus this morning on the opening familiar phrase and the notorious Rashi on Imbuchu Kosai Telechu, which means literally, if you will go in my decrees, and I ask all my friends who are listening, what does it mean, Bichu Kosai Telechu, to follow God's chukim? Now we know what a chok is. A chok is a law which doesn't have a reason, such as shatnes, such as I can't wear wool and linen. Torah doesn't say why. Dermatologists have never seen a rash which could be attributed to someone who wears wool and linen. Paraduma, why is it that the water mixed with the ash of the red heifer has the capacity to purify. This we cannot understand. Rashi tells us, what's the imbuchu kosai telechu? Says Rashi, it refers to shetiyu amelim batorah. You should be laboring in the Torah. Now, what is the chok over here? What is the law that we cannot understand? And I'd like to share with you, I believe, something very significant. And that is as follows. Our relationship to Torah is so different than our relationship, not only to other mitzvos, but we literally believe that it is a the way that the Jew connects to God. And so, when we study Torah, be it the Mishnah Shor Shenogach Esapora, be it that an ox gored a cow, and you'll look at me and you'll say, my goodness, what's the significance of this? So it's not only as they asked the late Rav Moshe Feinstein, the tradition always was in Europe, that when a young boy starts Gemara, he starts Gemara with Shnayim and Betalas. Two people are holding on to an item. Each one says that it's mine. And how do we resolve that uh, question? And the question in the second parak of Bav Metziah, what can you keep when you find something and what must you make every effort to return? So Rav Moshe was asked, are we raising a generation of lawyers? Why not study those pieces of Talmud like Brachos and others that might be more practical? And Rav Moshe gave a very powerful answer. He said, number one, that these Gemaros teach consciously and subconsciously the incredible respect 
that one person has to have for the next person's property. But the chok I'd like to suggest over here is that it's through our study of these laws that the Jew connects with God. Kuchibrichu, God, Oraisa, His Torah, and Yisrael Chadhu are one. And not only that, our relationship to the Torah is so special that the Zohar says it's not by chance that there were 600,000 Jews who left Egypt and not by chance 600,000 letters of the Torah each Jew his soul represents literally a letter of Torah and without that full complement it would be as if the Torah was missing God forbid a letter which would render the Torah incomplete and puzzle each Jew is so crucial for this and their study of Torah is so necessary. So the first point is that it's a chok. It's a law that we cannot understand, but literally through our study of Torah, we connect with God. And perhaps you want to know why? I'd like to suggest that you look in the Rambam, in chapter 2 of Luchos Yisodei HaTorah. And there he points out something very interesting. That when it comes to the human being, as brilliant as the man might be, he and his knowledge are two separate entities and two separate beings. He acquires the knowledge. It's a gradual acquisition, etc. There is he and the knowledge that he acquires subsequently. Not so, says the Rambam, regarding God. That God is Hu Hayodeya, the Hu Hayodua. He is the one who knows, and He is the embodiment of knowledge. And therefore, when we are privileged to study Torah, we are literally studying Him. And that's why fascinating the bracha that one makes upon seeing a great wise man, a scientist. We make the bracha ashenosan, that God gave of His wisdom to man. When one is privileged to see a great tabachacham, cholak, which means literally He apportioned, He gave part of Him, literally, to the, because because that's what happens when one is privileged to study Torah. But in addition, based upon what we read in Shar Dalid of Nefesh Achayim, in chapters 11, 12, and 13, not simply based upon the verse in Yirmiyahu, chapter 33, Pasuk 25. Literally, if not for my covenant of Torah, day and night, then Chukos, Shemayim Ba'oras Lo Samti, there would not be continuity and purpose for heaven and earth. Beyond that, the Navi says very powerfully, the Navi Yeshaya, in chapter 51, Pasuk 16. Listen to this Pasuk and listen to the way the Nefesh Achayim understands this. You can dance from this. Says God, I 
place my words of Torah in your mouth. And as a result, and as a result of this, I protect you. Now, as a result of your studying Torah, do you know what you accomplish? You literally are the ones who implant the heavens and you lay a set a foundation for the earth. And as a result of this, it is said regarding Tzion Ami Ata, you are my people. As we are excitingly anticipating the forthcoming Yom Tov of Shavuos, the opening part of the second parsha of Parshas Bichukosai reminds us how significant and how important Torah is. But I'd like to take it to another dimension, and that is as follows. Rav Yisochadov Taichtel, Seicher Tzadik V'Kadosh, Levrach Hashem Yikom Domo, who was a Rav in Hungary, who wrote the famous book, Aim Habonim Semecha, showing the importance of Eretz Yisrael in the destiny of Am Yisrael. So, Rav Teichtal writes that he was hiding in Hungary, in his town of Pishtian. And what happened was, unfortunately, Jews were being forced into cattle cars, and he watched the brutality from hiding in an attic, the brutality that the Germans, Yamach Shemam, were doing to old and young alike, and stripping them of their dignity and of their property. And he cried out and he asked, what happened to the morality of the Western world? And Germany, which had its universities, what happened to it? And he answers so powerfully and he says, it's the first Bar Tenura on Pirkei Ovos that was studying. The very first mission in Ovos begins, Moshe Kibbal Torah Misinai, where the first mission gives us the chain that God taught Moshe, Moshe to Yoshua, and is handed down to all the generations. Why do you have this at the beginning of Ovos? asks the Baratunura, and not at the beginning of Torah Shabbat Peh, where it belongs at the beginning of Brachos. And his answer is so powerful, and he answers and he says, that take a look, Avos is our book of ethics. And all peoples, most cultures, have their book of ethics. Therefore comes this mission and teaches, yes, but our ethics is different. Our ethics comes from God. And once our ethics comes from God, it is immutable. And I can tell you that a German, a Nazi, a Machshemam, was beating up a Jew. And as he was beating the Jew, he stopped for a moment and he said to him, Do you still believe that you are the Am HaNivchar, that you are the chosen people? And immediately the Jew said, Yes. How is it possible? Asked the German. And the answer of the Jew was, Because we could never do to you what you are doing to us. When you throw God out of the dimension, out of the picture, then man can become the barbarian that he was. Our avos, our ethics, 
come from Sinai. And that's why. And that is the significance of our studying Torah. And this is what we have to remember as we approach the forthcoming Yom Tov of Shavuos. Sad. The Pesach Seder, Baruch Hashem, is ranked as the most widely observed ritual within the Jewish people. After that, fasting on Yom Kippur. And at the very bottom, unfortunately, ironically, is the observance of Shavuos. If only people realized how important Shavuos is that we celebrate not only our uniqueness as a people, our relationship with God, our connection with Hashem through the Torah. And I speak to those many Jews who are observant, who perform chesed, but who feel that somehow they can manage and be a complete Jew without the formal study of Torah as an integral part of their day comes along the beginning of the second parsha in Bukhukosai Telechu and tells us no that this is a chok in order for us to connect in the most positive, genuine way it is done through each and every individual's greenwood of Torah. May we be privileged to commit ourselves all the more, especially as we approach the Yom Tov of Shavuos. Shabbat Shalom to all.
David Dardashti, Shalom Aleichem. 14 minutes before 9 o'clock Friday, Erev Shabbos, double parsha, Bahar and Bechukosai, as we close out the uh, book of Ayikra. Uh, candle lighting time at 7.35 on this Erev Shabbos, 7.35. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. It's day 38 in the counting of the Omer. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. The um, Rosh Chodesh Sivan will be Friday, a week from today. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Sivan will be one day on Friday of next week. Yom Yerushalayim is, of course, Wednesday. Our plans for next week have changed. A little bit of a, a topsy-turvy day yesterday, and uh, finally a decision was made. Our uh, trip to Israel has been uh, postponed because of um, what the medical staff feels um, needs to immediately be done to my left foot. Those of you who are long-time listeners know that this is a chronic situation, which uh, for some reason over the last couple of days decided to uh, act up. Why? Who knows? But anyway, uh, unfortunately, uh, we will not see our friends on air this week from Crib Efrat and Amuna and uh, Orme Urbracha and, of course, Beit Road, where we scheduled to be on Wednesday, Yom Yerushalayim. Instead, uh, Mayor Weingarten will be here Wednesday. He'll be hosting Yom Yerushalayim, and some amazing JMNAM staff members will be here next week. I noticed that um, 
Matis has already started to uh, release the schedule, and Mayor Fertig will be in this chair, Bezrat Hashem, on uh, Monday. So um, that is the story. That's the situation. I will try to get back ASAP and um, get back into our regular routine here. And Bezrat Hashem, this journey to Israel will take place uh, at some other point. And this amazing concept of being in Yom Yushalayim, being Yom Yushalayim in the city of Jerusalem, especially at Beit Arot, we'll have to wait. Uh, but Mayor Weingarten has an amazing way of taking us 6,000 miles from here, even from our studio in Jersey City. So make sure you tuned in on Wednesday and uh, enjoy and be inspired by his words about Jerusalem. Sunshine today with a high of 63. More of the same. Thank God for Shabbos and Sundays. We look like... Uh, a pretty good weather weekend. Don't forget that we have incredible web programming. Right away, right after JM and the AM this morning, Naomi Nachman hosts uh, Table for Two. And today, she has an amazing show, which includes special guest Jay Booksbaum, the incredible kosher wine sommelier. And I'm told they're speaking about the white wines today. So Jay is uh, Naomi's guest, and she has a great show prepared between 9 and 10 this morning. Then, of course, don't forget, starting at 10 a.m. all the way until candle lighting time, an amazing array of Erev Shabbos selections. We're talking about nine and a half hours worth. There is no better way to prepare for Shabbos than to keep our stream going in the background. We have investigated this. We have researched this thing up and down. There is no better, there is clearly no better way to prepare for Shabbos. Then with the uh, amazing Erev Shabbos music stream. Don't forget tomorrow night, Avrami hosts Saturday Night Seagull. And don't forget Sunday morning, Matis is doing an amazing job with JM Sunday. Those of you, especially in places where you have no work Sunday morning, where you have work Sunday morning, get into the office Sunday, just turn on the stream, because at the 7 a.m. Eastern time, JM and the AM has expanded to a six-day. We call it JM Sunday. And Matis this week speaks to author Mordechai Schmutter, who has a brand new, very humorous book, and he will speak to Yona Lloyd of SodaStream. Remember SodaStream, an amazing company out of Israel that had a little goings-on a few months ago with the folks at the Super Bowl. Remember that whole thing? Anyway, Yona Lloyd, our old friend, will join uh, Matis this coming uh, Sunday, and uh, they will talk about that and a whole bunch of other stuff uh, regarding their very successful company. So Matis has a great JM Sunday scheduled. Make sure to be tuned in Sunday morning at jmintheam.org. David Gabe is next. This is JM in the AM.
Naomi Nachman coming up 9 o'clock, 5 minutes from now with Table for Two. Make sure to join Naomi for a great show. Stay with the stream all day long for our incredible Erev Shabbos music mix, which really is remarkable. And again, probably the best, absolute best way to repair on Erev Shabbos Day. JMNAM with Journeys. Time to say good Shabbos at JMNAM.
Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. For the listeners, sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Up in Rockland County, 91.9 on the FM dial. And around the world in the web, jmtheam.org. And that wraps up a, a great week for us here at JM and the AM. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you missed anything this week, check out the archive section of jmtheam.org. Naomi Nachman is next on the stream at jmtheam.org with Table for Two. Great and amazing Jewish music era of Shabbos stream coming up all day long. Tomorrow night at Saturday Night Seagull, Avrami is going to be hosting starting at 10 p.m. Matis has JM Sunday beginning at 7 with some amazing guests this week. Make sure to check it out. Mayor Fertig in this chair on Monday. And I hope to be back very soon. And uh, our Israel journey will take place, Bezrat Hashem, uh, in the very near future. Have a wonderful Shabbos, great weekend. Until next time, Malcolm Sigler reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.